Hello and good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees and their Multicultural Mess and Secular Scam. Thank you so much for joining me today and I hope you are having a great day um, and a great weekend ahead. So uh, we're going to have a podcast today on the last prophet. Who is the last prophet? Okay, so let's start with the word prophet. Okay, because uh, this is a question we've been asked all the time. Who is the last prophet? So let's start with the word prophet. The word prophet is a translation. Translation. Sorry if I can't pronounce that word. Translation. Wow, I didn't get that correct too. But anyway, you got the picture. It's a compound word, compounded Greek word, and it it's comes from two words, pro which means before, okay, or towards, and facing means to tell. Thus, uh, someone who conveys a message from the divine to the humans, or um, prophetess, that means someone. So the word, the verb is to tell, it's called uh, facing, F-P-H-E-S-E-I-N, and the word pro means before, in advance, so to project in advance. So someone who conveys a message in advance, that means who explains the concept, natural phenomenon, or um, spirituality, or, for, or is foretelling a future event. That only happens when you understand the science. I mean, you understand astronomy. And astronomy is cyclic. We know that we are cyclic. So people who understood the cycles could tell in advance uh, who, what is going to happen because we are, the cosmos is cyclic. And in those days, a lot of people knew the cycle because they lived on the surface. They lived in, in the countryside. They lived what we call as in the desert. And the desert understands that there are cycles of events. Um, the seasons are cyclic, everything cyclic, so they understand the cycle, and so they're projecting in advance. This projecting in advance is called prophesen, and the person who tells in advance is called a prophetess. That word uh, also means an advocate, a speaker, a teacher, someone who's teaching someone in advance. Um, that is the Greek word. Now, it's not there in any book uh, in, in the Quran, it's not there in the Hebrew Bible, um, it is, uh, it's a Greek word, um, but the Hebrew word, okay, the word in Hebrew where it first starts this concept of prophet is Navi, N-A-V-I, and a spokesman who's traditionally translated as a prophet. Um, the second subdivision of the Hebrew Bible, the Tanakh, um, is called Nevim. Nevim is the plural of Nevi, Navi, and it's basically prophets or spokespeople or Hebrew prophets or teachers, um, and coming from the word Navi. It means uh, in Deuteronomy, it, it's there in Deuteronomy chapter 18.18, uh, 18, okay? Um, so that is basically what Navi comes from. Now, from Navi, we get the, um, okay, um, we also get the word seer. I don't know if this is a, a Greek word. Seer means a prophet, uh, someone who tells in advance, someone who who, who challenge, who, who is able to project, and that who uh, that's also another word. But um, this actual word, 
we are talking about now comes into the Quran. Now, the word in the Quran is not prophet, okay? Because there's no prophet in the Quran. The word prophet, like I said, is a Greek word. It is not an Arabic word. And so that's why in Greek we have, um, yes, we have this word. It's, it's in Greek. Absolutely. Um, now, in, in the Quran, the word is not the, uh, the prophet. The word is uh, Muhammad, the, the, sent, the actual Quranic text. Uh, Surah 33, Ayat 40 says, Muhammad is not the father of any of your men. Muhammad is the messenger of Allah and the seal of the prophets. And Allah has perfect knowledge of all things. Now, as you can see here, if you go to Quran.com, uh, chapter 33, verse 40, it does not say the word Muhammad. Okay, they have translated it as Muhammad, but they did not say the word Muhammad. It's actually Muhammadun, Kana, Ma, uh, Abba, um, uh, Ahadin, Min, Rijalikum, Valakin, Rasulla. Okay, so they have translated is as Muhammad is not the father of your um, of anyone but the men uh, but your but your men but of your men he is the messenger um, Allah uh, the messenger of Allah the seal of the prophets and Allah is um, the knower of all things um, now like I said the word is not Muhammad. Okay, it's Muhammadun. Muhammadun is an adjective. Okay, it's an adjective. It is not, it is talking of um, someone who's praiseworthy, but they have translated it as Muhammad because they have intentionally, there's no Muhammad in the Quran. There's absolutely no Muhammad in the Quran. And so because there's no Muhammad in the Quran, they have to show that it's Muhammad. So they're talking about Muhammad. Uh, but the word is Muhammadun, which means praiseworthy. Someone who is praiseworthy is not the, uh, the father of any of your men. He's the messenger of Ilahi. The word is not Allah. The word is Ilahi. Um, and again, uh, this is showing that it's a very Hebrew root, okay? It's, it's a root word and it's a Hebrew root. So they have translated it as Muhammad has the seal of the prophets and that's why he's the last of the prophets. The, the explanation is the Arabic word, um, the Arabic word in question here or is the comes from the root word khtm if recited with the vowel i on the t as some reciters have done this it would simply it would imply one who is who ends something does it clearly shows that the holy prophet of muhammad is the last of the prophets but if it's recited with the vowel a on the t it denotes a thing with which something ends ring and seal are also called as such because they are placed at the end of a letter and indicates that the end of this. According to the second possibility also, it is concluded from the words that the Holy Prophet is the last prophet uh, because he is introduced as a seal which has come at the end of the letter of the prophethood. Therefore, no other prophet is to appear to him. Thus, the finality of the prophet of Islam is nicely concluded from the worst as the Muslims of the early period of Islam also understood it 
in this meeting and did not have any doubt in the finality of the prophethood of his eminence. And other verses also exist in this regard, but there is no need to mention from here. A large number of traditions also exist with regards to the finality of the prophet, and some of them are mentioned um, you know, um, in the Hadith and so on and so forth. Um, so basically, Islam has translated this verse, Quran 33.40, as the finality of the prophets, which is incorrect, okay, because it does not talk about Muhammad at all. It talks about Muhammadun, that means the praised one, which they have interpreted it as uh, the, the, the praised one, meaning Muhammad. Now, what is the context of this work? Um, Islam doesn't give the context. Um, I've not seen a particular context. It's just a word given to the Prophet Muhammad. Uh, and and um, it's the word of Allah. And, and so Allah is all-knowing. So we have to respect that and not ask questions. But I try to get it off, get the context of this. Okay. Uh, in my own words, I'm going to explain to you. The Quran is written down, put together and compiled with the 20 years of the death of the Prophet Muhammad, as they, as they claim. So in this time, they have conquered a lot of North Arabia. They've conquered, conquered some parts of North Africa, but not well, some parts of most of Arabia, most of Arabia is under their control, and they have taken over Jerusalem, Israel, okay, uh, which is in 637 AD. Okay, now the bulk of the people in Israel, in Jerusalem at this point of time, are people who are Byzantines, okay, so taken over from the Byzantine Empire. That means most people are Christians or Nazara. Okay, uh, because they've taken over from this now, they don't want a bloodbath because if they start with a bloodbath, then they're not going to go anywhere in life. Uh, they're just going to have to start from square one. There's a lot of, uh, you know, they have to rebuild. So they try changing, uh, convincing people that, look, you consider Muhammad, you consider Christianity, uh, Jesus as the last prophet, but I'm giving you something better. Uh, we're giving you basically um, Muhammad, who is the last prophet. He is the best. He is the most important one. He is the last prophet um, and accept it as it is. Now, that's my interpretation of things because remember the early um, Islamic movement um, allied with many tribes on the ground and the bulk of those tribes, a uh, good percentage of those tribes were Hebrew tribes, tribes of Orthodox Hebrews or people of the book, especially those at Medina, which was then called Yatrib. So they have to ally with them. And the, the people of the book, or the Orthodox Jews, wanted to go to Jerusalem. Because they wanted to go to Jerusalem, they wanted to take over. And so in order to take over, they have to convince the majority of the people there that, look, your prophet is not good. Our prophet is better. And uh, ours is the last of the prophet. He's got the seal of the prophet. Uh, he's got the seal of Ilahi. He's got the seal of Allah. Um, that in, that in itself says they are trying to convince people. The people on the ground is uh, are basically Hebrew uh, Christians, so they have to convince them. And in convincing them, they have to provide another alternative. And from that alternative, they come up with their own prophet. And it says, well, Muhammad is not the prophet of uh, is the is the father of any of your men. He is the messenger of Ilahi, which is Allah. Um, basically, that's 
the long and the short of the story is that they're trying to convince someone else and they have to present this alternative. And from that alternative, we get worse, 33.40. So they're actually talking to a specific group of people. That becomes a part of the Quran. And for eternity, 1400 years, Islam has interpreted this as Muhammad being the last of the prophet, but it was in reality, the influence of the time and the geography of that time where they had to take, they wanted to take over um, to please their alliances, <clears throat> the alliance of which was, um, the alliance of which consisted uh, in huge part of Hebrews and Orthodox Hebrews and the people of the book. So that was where the context came in and that influenced rhetoric and narratives and was put in, in, in the literature. And now we think that it's God that gave it to him to them. But I don't believe that it's God. It, it's really a narrative that comes from its time. Uh, in the context of their colonization of uh, Jerusalem in 637 AD. So you, you are going to ask uh, why you want to convince the Christians, because Christians believe that uh, the, the actual person, uh, the most, the highest of all highest almighties is Jesus. Okay, now why do they do, why are they doing that? Uh, this is what G uh, Christians believe. The word, the Christians believe that Jesus is the Messiah, okay? The word Messiah comes from the Hebrew Aramaic word Mashiach, the anointed one or the chosen one, okay? Uh, the English word Messiah comes from the Greek Messias. And in chapter John, verse 1 to 141 and 425, um, the translation, they translate it as Christos. Christos is the Greek term for anointed because Messiah means anointed. Remember, uh, the early Christians were Jews, uh, were Hebrews, should I say. Um, the Greek term uh, for that is anointed uh, because the early Christian Bibles are written in Greek. Since Messiah would have been meaningless to non-Aramaic people, um, the, Alexander said the word Messiah is rarely used in the Greek New Testament, but is marked in contrast um, to Christos, which comes 530 times, with most of these referring directly to Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, so basically, um, Christos comes from the word means to anoint, uh, and it's related to the Latin term Caesar, like Caesar or Tsar, and the concept is in an appointed and anointed leader, our human hearts crave a Messiah, a Christ and an appointed leader, uh, and here we go from there. So basically, the Christians at that point in 637 and, and onwards believe that Jesus Christ is the anointed Jesus Christos or Jesus Christ is the anointed one and the anointed one now um, is the only person that they look up to who saved them from sins and that's why they're looking up to them and now the Hebrews sorry the the Islamic movement takes over so they're trying to convince these Christians that no you've not got the anointed one come on to our sides we've got the perfect seal of the prophet and in my opinion this is the context of the worst uh, although I'm sure Muslims will not agree with me but this is where it comes from it comes by the influence of the politics of their time and the insistence of changing the demographics of the region 
Now, you'll say, but where did the Christians get this one? Why the Christians want uh, the Messiah? Why do you have to have the last one, the perfect one, the, uh, the fantastic one? Well, let's put it this way. Uh, Moses was actually uh, the alliance of the um, the alliance of the Islamic groups were tribes from around Medina, Mecca, and tribes of um, uh, tribes from uh, of Hebrews, Hebrews people of the book who were the Orthodox class. Okay, the very Orthodox class. Uh, they believe only in the five books of Moses. Moses was the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. Okay, uh, and that's why they call them themselves the people of the book. The people of the book are actually um, are actually uh, people who believe in the books written by or in uh, in inspired by prophet uh, prophet Moses. So that is the Jews. So they absolutely want to go back to Jerusalem because that's where they are from and that's where the old temple was. And they also want to convince that everyone is uh, to everyone that Moses is the most important prophet. Now, uh, Moses, remember, is written in the in the Quran, I think over 125 times, more than Prophet Muhammad, because Muhammad is not written in the in the Quran. It's Muhammadun, Muhammadun, Muhammadin, and Muhammadun. So the word the proper noun Muhammad is not there. So in my opinion, they are actually trying um, to talk about Moses because they are the, the alliance with the, the, the Quranic tribes, the Meccan tribes, and they want power. So they've come to Jerusalem. They want Moses to be the only anointed one. And they are the Old Testament's greatest prophet. And so according to the Bible, Moses was the prophet who led Israelites out of slavery in Egypt and brought them to the edge of the promised land. Uh, the Old Testament mentions him 767 times, making him one of the most important people in the Old Testament. While Abraham is Israel's ancestor, Moses is often considered its founder for his role in establishing Israel as the nation. Moses is also the traditional author of the Pentateuch, that's the first five books of the Bible. While he didn't write the Ten Commandments, uh, Moses did bring them down from Mount Sinai, laying the foundation for the Jewish faith or the Hebrew faith in Judaism and Christianity, Islam. Moses is considered one of the most important prophets to, wear, to uh, have ever lived. So Moses saves them from slavery in Egypt. He also saves them from uh, the Israelites, the future Israelites, <coughs> sorry, from uh, the, 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 uh, the, uh, the collapse of a civilization in around 1100 BCE. When they flee from Egypt, they, they hide in the, in the Sinai Desert for 40 years. And after 40 years, they, they, they go up to um, Canaan and they, they take over that place. But Moses is the one who helps them survive in the desert. He gives them the information, the knowledge. He isolates them. He gives them how to survive with um, cleanliness, you know, your hands, you're cleaning your hands, cleaning this. All the laws of cleanliness, the laws of kashrut, all of that come from Moses. Uh, and he, is, he really saves them in the Sinai Desert. So obviously, the, he's like the father of their nation. So because he's the father of their nation... He is the most important prophet. Um, and that's why he's called the prophet of all prophets. 
the people of the book absolutely wanted this and for them this was the greatest of prophets um, they formed the, the kingdom of Israel but Israel breaks into two and eventually we get Christianity out of the southern half and Christianity they don't they want to differentiate themselves and so they make Jesus the uh, Messiah the anointed one um, the one who's going to take them to heaven and save them so that means Jesus comes over Moses which is important okay Jesus is now by Christ to Christians bigger than Moses uh, and they will not believe in Moses and the in the Jews and the Hebrews are absolutely devastated and broken about this they finally move along to different areas in 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 Yatrim in Medina then they ally with the Meccan tribes they form this um they form the Islamic movement and they come back and they capture Israel and so in order to convince these Christians now they need a verse a revelation from God and from that revelation of God you get the verse 33.40 in the Quran which says Muhammad is the, the seal of the prophets so it's really a circle of these three groups trying to convince each other that mine is the best prophet his is the best prophet theirs is the best prophet and each one is trying to convince each other and this is when the Quran was put down so that's why they get this rhetoric and and chapter and and verse 33.40 so uh that's very important to understand the the context of it remember the uh Quran's written down between 630s it's compiled between 632 and 652 AD and um the Bible, the New Testament is compiled anywhere from, you know, the rhetoric is taken from, from, from 70 AD all the way to, um, all the way to 323 AD. So that's when it's compiled. So that's, that's very important to say. Um, and basically that's the long and the short of the story. Um, that's how you get the most important prophet. Now, Again, this rhetoric is absolutely, to me, ignorant. Uh, I don't believe in it. The reason why is that someone who is a teacher, we always have teachers in life, okay? Why? Because we need, as, as children, as people, we need someone to tell us, someone who's elder, someone who's gone to the experience. We need them to tell a younger generation. So there will always be teachers in life. There will always be people who are interpreting the sciences, uh, projecting in advance because we're cyclic. We're like currents and waves. You know the cycle. You know where the currents are going to form the waves and where they're going to end up on the shore. So you need people to understand. Now, if people are slaves or in the desert, they do not understand. It's your duty to interpret and project it. But every tribe had a, um, has a Navi. Every tribe has someone who interprets um, and projects in advance. And they projected in the form of parables. So every tribe had a teacher. It's like saying there's not going to be any more teacher in this world because of the simple fact that... Uh, Okay, well, you know, we believe in this one teacher, so there's not going to be any more teachers in this world. Well, basically, you're always going to need teachers at every junction in life. 
And that's important. We have teachers in school, in university. But why are they, why are they not teachers? Well, because now it's become an ideological thing. But this is not an ideological thing. It was just rhetoric of its time to supersede politically. And in that context, now they've come and say every other teacher, every other professor who's teaching you the knowledge of how to interpret cycles of life or natural phenomenon that you cannot understand, um, he, he's not really a teacher. We have the only teacher, the best teacher, and everyone else is, is redundant. So basically, you're absolutely spitting on the profession of teachers and, and knowledge givers, but you're, you're, you're interpreting your supremacist ideology um, as, as the best and the last prophet, and it, it really doesn't work. It works for people who have been indoctrinated with these ideologies, but it, it, it's, it doesn't make sense. It's not real. It is very narcissistic. Um, I don't believe in this. Every single person is a teacher because we all baggages of data. We've got packets of data, thousands and thousands of years of data embedded in our DNA, and every junction is a intellectual laboratory you can learn from it and that's what's important to learn but unfortunately it's not something that we do all the time and we we give um it's not something that we help others and we 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 it's not something that we um we let others say or do we we try to keep the the perfection to ourselves and denigrate others and that's not acceptable this rhetoric this ideology is absolutely um ignorant and so in my in my interpretation there's no such thing as the last prophet because you can't have the last teacher the last professor um it is just rhetoric and bad interpretation and we go from there. So on that note, uh, you can interpret it as long as any way you want, as long as you understand the context of its time, that in 650, uh, the Muslims came with, um, 652, the Muslims came with the Quran, but they had already conquered Jerusalem at that point, and their context was they are trying to convince the Christians to be, uh, to accept their uh, politics and their alliance, and the Christians have their own perfect prophet, and the Jews have their own perfect prophet. So they're, they're sort of in competition with each other, and from there we get this rhetoric. So thank you very much for your time. I hope I've made sense because I know it's very difficult to understand. But um, yes, you can find my podcast on hubhopper.com, and you can absolutely find my um, also the, a copy of the podcast on Facebook, uh, Religions, Regimes, and Refugees. On that note, I wish you a great day, a great weekend. Cheers, and stay safe.